Dr. Fulop, how do you decide when it's time for surgery? If a person has a condition that is severe enough, failing conservative management, and has a surgical option of treatment, and a patient is healthy enough and willing to undergo the process, then they can become a surgical candidate. So that sounds like a complicated explanation that might be difficult to to kind of, you know, boil down. What are some of the conditions that might make a person a surgical candidate? The conditions that are generally amenable to surgery are, especially in the spine, when you have discs that normally sit in between the spinal bones can bulge out of place, compress a nerve, which leads to pain that doesn't get better on its own. And in those situations, you have that classical sciatica. And that pain that shoots down the leg, weakness and numbness, that you know, syndrome of symptoms may be amenable to surgery if it's not improving through the traditional stuff. One um, exception is that if the symptoms are debilitating, a person is unable to get out of bed, or if their foot stops moving, or if they're losing control of their bowel or bladder, this might be a more severe form of it where the nerves are being more uh, severely damaged. That may be an indication for you to jump to the front of the line and go do surgery before anything else because you simply don't have time. That's a much smaller portion of the average onset of this disease, but disc herniations and and uh, the development of narrowing inside the spinal canal leading to nerve compression is probably one of the most common general scenarios that could lead to surgery. Now, we've all heard horror stories about patients whose back surgery was a nightmare mainly years ago, but that's not the case anymore, is it? It isn't. And for a long time, there have always been spinal conditions for which surgery will help. And, and so it's not only recently that spine surgery has worked, but there has been so many failed procedures that it's difficult to know whether you have a condition that is treatable or a condition that is better left untouched by a knife and a drill. And so one of the, one of the better things about what's going on today is that we have better decision-making processes. So that is more accurate diagnostics. And the diagnostics don't just come from a picture. It comes from recognition of what are the reasons why a person is hurting. Is it simply a pinched nerve or is it a combination of factors like age and weight and, and behavior and, and psychiatric disposition and stress levels and, you know, and, and, and. So you can't fix the majority of those things with a knife. But if you have a bulging disc or a bone spur pushing on a nerve, we can fix that because we can do things that will undo that structural problem. So what's coming up that has you excited? Minimally invasive spinal surgery uses special retractors, special instruments, specially designed um, hardware that, that has the ability to be placed through small incisions. Now, the main thing about placing very complicated, sharp, and potentially dangerous things inside the body is that if you can't see it with your eyes, you have to see it with something else. 
And so for the spine, there are intraoperative x-ray machines that can shoot pictures that allow us to guide the hardware into the very, very delicate and cramped spaces without putting a screw through a nerve. Since I'm not visualizing the bones by removing all the skin, muscle, bone, and other you know stuff in the way, I'm having to do it somewhat blindly, but guided by X-ray, and that's kind of the you know the main technology that makes it possible. The other thing is that I'm looking at a structure of the body through a very small, deep, dark hole, and so we use microscopes mounted on robotic arms. In some instances, we even have devices that are akin to GPS. So spinal and even brain have, have um, devices called navigation, which operates under the same principle as satellites orbiting the Earth, relaying pictures and then picking up signals from your cell phone or your car that tells you where you are in that area. And it shows you a picture of where you are from top down. So we do the same thing. We take pictures of the spine with MRI or CAT scan. We then attach little cell towers to the body. And then we have a, a little a receiver on a boom arm that sits above the patient in the operating room, does all the math, and shows us where the tip of our instrument is inside the patient's body using the MRI and CAT scan data, giving us 3D reconstructed pictures that help us to see where we're going without having to shoot x-rays. And it gives much better detail. Um, it's an amazing technology that, that St. Mary's is potentially investing in. Any changes in what's actually being placed in a patient's body? Well, one thing that's really important, and I think it's good for everybody to know, is that if metal is placed inside your body for the purpose of fusing a spine, it's generally MRI compatible these days. A lot of people say, I've had screws or rods, and, and now you know somebody told me I can't get an MRI. MRIs use magnets. Magnets attract metal, but not all metal. You put a magnet up against a tin or an aluminum can, it doesn't stick. So we know that some metals are not magnetic. The metals that are used in the body, especially for the spine, are titanium. So titanium is a very, very um, expensive but appropriately um, you know, expensive metal because it's very lightweight and, and very high strength. It's used in jet engines and, and aeronautical and, and uh, NASA is, is, a, is a big user of this. So it's, it's the appropriate metal which it doesn't rust, it doesn't uh, react with the body, and it is light and strong, which makes it perfect, and it also doesn't uh, interfere with MRIs. Other things that are being used in the body as implants are plastics. Now, the 3D printing technology has been another thing that's been utilized. We can create shapes and structures that are porous at the microscopic level, making them able to have ingrowth of bone and other tissue, and they're even able to 3D print titanium. So now you can have porous structures that have the strength of bone, the microscopic structure of bone, but can be designed to fit any shape or any usage that we could be interested in. Okay. So 
embracing technology is making all the difference for these patients. And not just metallurgy, right. not just plastics, but biotechnology. We yeah. are now using stem cells. Mm -hmm. Stem cell technology is different than the controversial stuff in the 80s and 90s where you had embryos. This is St. Mary's. They have a strong Catholic predisposition. They wouldn't let us use something that came from a baby. So these are adult stem cells. And adult stem cells, uh, the best analogy are if, if a cell is too young, it, it's, it's like a baby. It could become anything. If a cell is too old, it's like a middle-aged person who, even though they might theoretically consider doing something else, they're usually already too tired and, and not able to reverse their upbringing. So stem cells that we use are like teenagers. They're still young enough to be able to do anything, but they typically only do what their friends are doing. So if you take a stem cell and you put it in a spine that has been injured and that spine starts to say, hey, I need people to grow bone, these stem cells will turn into bone-making cells and they will help grow bone, which will speed up the recovery. Because when you rebuild a spine, with metal and plastic, that's only temporary. That's like the mold on the outside of a concrete pad. It's, it's not the mold that gives the strength, but it holds the concrete in place until it solidifies. We do that in the spine where we solidify slowly as the bone chips become one solid block of bone, which becomes a living bridge between two unstable segments. That process takes many months, but that is being more, more um, efficient and quicker and more likely when we use this stem cell technology. So this is an FDA-approved bone, living bone cell given from a donor. Fabulous. Thanks so much, Dr. Fulop.